0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Skydiving, this is amazing. Yeah, but you know what
1: else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what
2: else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port end of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Valle and Andy Bailey and today we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. It hasn't gone well for them recently as you are probably aware of. They they've actually submitted two of their worst three winning percentages ever in the last 2 years and the third one was from 1958 when they were still in Minneapolis. So it's pretty safe to say that this is probably the worst period in Lakers history. There might be some reason for optimism. They have a lot of young pieces, including Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, and Jordan Clarkson. And that's really what we want to talk about first. Are those pieces enough to kind of trump all the things that have been going wrong with this organization lately? I don't know. I don't know if it trumps it right away. I think I, I
2: approach this team with sort of.
0: Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, have a fun and delicious start to your morning with Post Nutter Butter cereal. 19-ounce boxes are just 99 cents. That's a wow savings of up to 80% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, Star Kiss Chunk Light Tuna, 5-ounce cans are buy two, get one free. That's a wow savings of up to 64%. Limit three free. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market
2: guarded optimism because I do uh, I, I can acknowledge that Russell and Clarkson and to a lesser extent Randall are, are pretty exciting young prospects. But I think there's sh- they're just kind of stuck in a middle ground where they, they have an old guard type of coach in Byron Scott. They have an old school veteran in Kobe Bryant, they have other veterans in Brandon Bass, Roy Hibbert. So they haven't really committed to rebuild, and it's it's kind of hard for them to with Kobe there. Um, but yeah, I think I would just go back to it's just guarded optimism right now. I'm, I'm not really sold on what they're doing at the moment, but I think in a year or two, it could be a pretty exciting team.
0: Yeah, I'm with Bailey, and guarded optimism might be something of an understatement if it's guarded by like alien robots or something, <laughs> because this team is just in such an awkward position. I get that you have a legitimate top two top three prospect in d'angelo russell but when we look at these other guys who they do have who are younger we don't know if jordan clarkson was the product of playing for a bad team or not last season we don't know what julius randall is going to be because he really is a tweener is he a power forward is he a small forward he's not good on defense he's also working off a broken leg and it's definitely been hard to rebuild with kobe bryant there This is something, I know people were talking about it yesterday, that they're not going to be able to move on until he's gone. And if he continues playing, you have to wonder, if you're the Lakers, do you want it to be in a Lakers uniform? Because you really do need to usher in that next era. And right now, you don't really have the tools to do that. You have cap space and a bunch of question marks. And you don't know if you're going to be able to land the stars. It's clear that Byron Scott is just this sort of wheels greaser to the future. I don't think he's going to be the guy that they really rebuild with. There are so many question marks. The only thing for me to really watch this season in terms of being optimistic, I want Kobe to stay healthy and have a good last year. I think it'll be fun, assuming it is his last year. And yeah, it'll be fun to watch D'Angelo Russell because he is pretty much their only legitimate star prospect right now. It's fun to see Clarkson and Randall what they could become, but Russell is really the key to their future at the moment.
1: See, for me it almost feels like the Lakers have become increasingly out of touch with what you need to do to win in the NBA. And I'm not really talking about the Kobe contract because that was understandable. It's a massive overpay, but they're rewarding him for the loyalty he's shown to the organization and all that. But, yeah, all those trade demands and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, let's look past that. You know, he, he did stay there. But, I mean, Byron Scott's there. He's not a forward, future-thinking coach. He, he's there because he played for the Lakers back in the day, and, and they want to reward that. They, they only recently got on board the analytics revolution. They don't play great defense. They're not promoting three-pointers. And it's, it's hard for me to even have guarded optimism about this franchise when their rebuilding strategy is almost entirely reliant on making key free agent signings and their pitch is based off the history that no one cares about. You know, Maybe that worked once upon a time, but it's not now because they aren't competitive. And we've seen a bunch of stars turn them down when they have the cap space to offer them max contracts. I mean, even someone like Greg Monroe, you know, it's it's bizarre that he went to the Milwaukee Bucks over the Lakers or, or to a lesser extent the Knicks. And, and because of that, it's hard for me to feel that good about the future.
0: You said something that, I don't know, this probably isn't even a point, but you said that they just got on board the analytics revolution. After that whole thing with LaMarcus Aldridge, and we'll never know the full story or whatever, just that they didn't talk enough about basketball, they, like, came out and, like, reintroduced their analytics guys and hired (laughs) these ones. I'm not even sure if they're committed so much as they're like, no, no, hey, look, this department exists. Yeah, it does seem, go ahead. They're still just so reliant on what Adam said, free agency, even when you look at D'Angelo Russell. Mitch Kupchak has already said, I think we're going to have the most money to spend next summer. Okay, that's (laughs) great. You haven't been able to get anybody in the past two years. And not only that, but you weren't able to keep Dwight Howard when you had him. I don't think he would have been the right fit anyway, but that's sort of besides the point. So I just find that, are they even on board with the future and that forward way of thinking? Are they even at that point yet? It just seems like they're doing this to appease you know, the public when really everything behind the scenes is like, hey, we have money, let's just try and spend it and get stars like we used to.
1: I mean, in some ways, they're like the more glamorous version of the Dallas Mavericks. And we kind of laugh at the Mavericks a little bit because they strike out in free agency so often and have these big-name targets. But, you know, they, they're not as big a market as Los Angeles is. They don't have as much historical appeal. And until the Lakers actually realize that saying, hey, we're the Lakers, come play with us. We've won so many titles in the past. Like, uh, I have even more tempered optimism than you guys, even though I've, I really like D'Angelo Russell. Yeah I
2: like I like Russell a lot too and I think maybe the reason I'm a, a little bit less skeptical than you guys is I, I think great talent a lot of times just kind of figures stuff out on its own. It's tough if you have it's tough if you have these things we're talking about though, an organization that doesn't really embrace analytics despite saying publicly that they do, a coach like Byron Scott, uh, there's there would still need to be some some pretty drastic changes within the organization for I think for this talent, and this potential to come to fruition, um, but just the talent itself does still have me a little bit
1: excited. You know, what's funny is that we're saying all these negative things about their free agency pitches, and like a couple of years down the road, they're going to be rostering Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and like Kevin Love.
2: That's what I was going to say too. Like, yes, they've struck out a lot lately. I'm totally kidding, by the way. Well, well I yeah, actually like why I don't, don't think Westbrook's Russell Westbrook's out of the to question.
0: Put somewhere else.
2: Sorry, go ahead, Bailey. I was going to say, I don't think Westbrook's out of the question. and I Maybe I'm putting too much um, stock into the homecoming storyline that happens so often in the NBA. Everybody, Whenever somebody's a free agent, they're saying, oh, he's going to go home. Um, but there Curry is... Curry to
0: Charlotte, obviously.
2: Yeah, Curry, Charlotte, Durant to Washington. I think there may be some legs to that one with Russell Westbrook, though. I just he, – he seems very Hollywood to me. I don't know if that's fair or not, but I, I think he's a target that could could very well be in Los Angeles in a couple of years.
0: Here's the issue, though, with them rebuilding through free agency at all. I think we should note because for the most part, especially me and Adam, we've been really down on them. They were able to land two meetings with LaMarcus Aldridge, and that was after they bombed the first meeting. So I think it does say something. They still do have that historical mystique but you're looking at free agency now, and you're not going to get guys who are still in the middle of their prime. You know, if they go after Durant... Except for Westbrook. Gonna eight summer. If they go after Westbrook. ...it's going to be the same case. These players have already been in the league eight, nine, ten years by the time they hit free agency, so you're really shortening your championship window like crazy to maybe a five-year span, if you're lucky, maybe. More likely a three-year span. And the other thing here is... I agree. I do think that talent tends to figure things out. And I take this stance with Porzingis and the Knicks. I think that he is so talented he will succeed in spite of them. But let's look at the Lakers. When's the last time they've really groomed a good young talent? And what makes me really uneasy is you go draft a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who has modeled his game after Ginobili and Stephen Curry, which I think is great for him, but you're also going to go out and sign Lou Williams when you already have Kobe, Nick Young, Jordan Clarkson.
2: Stuff like
0: stuff like that just seems so bizarre. I don't know if Russell's in the right situations where they're even going to give him the exposure and the touches he needs. I think Kobe might be the least of their worries in terms of acquiescing to what these young players need. But just the talent on this roster and the train of thought that the Lakers have established and still seem to be championing really worries me.
1: Sorry, I, I need clarification here because you guys are saying talent tends to, tends to figure it out. But what talent are we talking about exactly?
0: No, I'm they talking have, about, I mean,
1: they have Russell and they have Randall, but beyond that...
0: My point I think was... My, go ahead, Dan. I was just saying, I used the Przingis thing as an example. I think Kristaps Przingis is so good, he will succeed in spite of the Knicks. And I think that that can come into play with Russell. It's just that with the talent that the Lakers have around him... And the mindset that they've assumed, I'm worried that he won't even get that shot to succeed in spite of them. And I
2: think the the main talent I'm talking about is probably just Russell, and that's a lot to heap on one player. Obviously, I'm I'm actually not that high on Julius Randle, and I don't know if we want to spend time on this or not. But Let's do it. To me, I've actually kind of thought this since his college days. He dominated in college, but I always noticed that he dominated by playing this bully ball, something that you can get away with when you're playing against other college kids, and I always thought he's not going to be able to do that to NBA players. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to see him last season, obviously, with the injury, but he was that's all he tried to do in Summer League this year, and it didn't really work, not even in Summer League. So I have a hard time, unless he adds some kind of finesse, or counter move, or jump shot, or something, he's not going to be able to run through people in the NBA. Um, that's I don't think it's impossible for him to develop those kind of skills, but I think there's a longer road for him than some people realize or are willing to admit.
1: And there's also a really long road on defense, because he hasn't shown that many tools on that end. And even at Kentucky, you know, he didn't record any blocks or steals, which are typically good measures of how you're going to make the transition from college to the NBA. You know, Those stats don't matter that much in the NBA, but they are indicators of defensive ability. So
0: that that troubles me as well. The other problem would be, on the Lakers' behalf, are they at a point where they're going to let him or rather encourage him to expand his game? We're talking about a team that, I don't want to say actively eschews three-pointers, but they haven't invested in three-point shooting. So are they really going to bring a guy deeper out on the perimeter that would really help him? Do they have the personnel in place to help him develop counter moves in the post and do something other than run people over or at least try to? And the other thing was there was a stark difference between the way he played in this year's Summer League and last year's because when you didn't have D'Angelo Russell or another ball-dominant guy on the floor in 2014, he really tried to play point forward and it looked like it would work for a while because that was his versatility. He's not the best ball handler, but he has that energy and he was – he was getting up and down the floor and that's probably his biggest weapon is he? he's a high energy guy, but now you're putting him alongside all these other ball dominant guards, not just Kobe, but Clarkson, Nick Young, Lou Williams, D'Angelo Russell, that's going to be an issue for him as well. Can he play off the ball? So we've kind of, I think
2: the answer to that question um, right now, I would, I would lean towards no, that's something else that he's going to have to develop too. You guys have both kind of alluded to this. There's... The old cliche, there's only one basketball. The Lakers have a lot of players. We've already mentioned some names. Lou Williams, Kobe Bryant, Nick Young, even D'Angelo Russell. Guys that need the ball. Guys that like to shoot. And I I don't see any way Byron Scott sorts this out into anything resembling an efficient offense. What do you guys think?
1: Well, I do wonder if you guys are concerned about Roy Hibbert there at, at all too because I, yeah, we know sure. that he wanted more touches in Indiana and he didn't get them and was unhappy and his offense regressed. And now he's in a situation where he might touch the ball even fewer times per game.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I actually I – mean, go ahead, Dan. Oh, no. You go, I was just – I agree with Adam. I think if he actually wants more touches, if, if he's really going to accept being a defensive specialist – then maybe he'll he'll be able to hunker down I mean in Indiana, you have to look they didn't have a lot of offensive talent, so maybe he wanted to develop that post up game. The Lakers at least have guys who can score maybe that'll make things easier, but I, that's definitely a concern
2: yeah, I think that has I think that signing has chemistry problems <laughs> written all over it because he he had a hard time in Indiana, and my brother who's a diehard Lakers fan don't ask me why um, we've kind of been playing this game this summer of. Which which new Laker is going to have the hardest time with Kobe Bryant? Which one will Kobe make cry? That kind of stuff. And <laughs> I think Roy Hibbert and Kobe Bryant could really clash. I don't know. What do you guys think
0: about that? I I think... I think it's going to be one of two extremes. I think what's going to happen is what you're saying, where he cries or they clash. Maybe Hibbert's going to be in for a rude awakening with the media in L.A. because it's different than in Indiana and he had problems with them there. But I also think it could be like maybe the shell shock of training camp and finally understanding. Like Maybe he'll just realize and he'll sort of just get back into his role, protect the rim, provide the occasional putback, even though he's not a good rebounder, and that'll be it. It'll be one of two extremes. I don't think they'll be a happy medium. It'll either work really well or it's going to be an absolute crap show. And just, let, me, let me just say before you go, Adam, I, I do
2: hope it does work, because I, I like Roy Hibbert as a player. So I, I hope that this is like a shock to his system. He gets back to the way he was a couple years ago. But, man, there are some big personalities there. Anyway, yeah, sorry, mean, Adam.
1: No, it's all right. I, I agree. I mean, Hibbert's awesome if he is a defensive specialist. He's so good in that role. And it's not like he's too old to contribute in that way. It's just whether he's going to accept it. But I was going to ask, I don't remember if Nick Young and Kobe spent a minute on the court together. Because didn't their their injuries uh, lined up so that they never played together, right? Or am I, am um, I misremembering
0: part of the season? If you give me like a minute, I'll find out. Yeah, I was doing the same thing. No.
1: If he counts as a new player, then he's my choice. Because that that pairing is hilarious. I was so excited about that last year, and it just... Nothing ever happened because they didn't get to play. But five games in, I mean, who's going to throw the first punch? Well, they definitely, they
0: they practiced uh, together last year. And like Nick Young was trash talking. I think Nick Young (laughs) probably is in a good situation to get along with Kobe just because I don't think he takes anything too seriously. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. There was actually, do you guys remember that story where um, he was going back at Bryant in practice? And I think that's what Dave was just alluding to. But Bryant
0: probably respects that. Yeah, that's
2: what I think, too.
0: I'm trying to find uh, the
2: lineup information. Are you doing that, too, Dan?
0: Yeah, I'll have it in, like, 30 seconds. All right, they spent uh, a total... Oh, wow, they spent 287 minutes on the together. Listen to this, though. Lakers' offensive rating, 98.5. Their defensive rating, 108.4. They were minus 9.9 with those two on the floor. Ouch. (laughs) I mean, again, that's going to be the issue, is who's really going to step up and play off the ball. I think if we're just talking ideally, who do you want to make the sacrifices and become more of these catch-and-shoot guys, I think you have to go to Kobe because he's never been a good three-point shooter, but I think he's talented enough to become, whenever he sets his mind to something, he seems to be able to do it for the most part, and maybe he can be that catch-and-shoot gunner. The other guy's going to have to be Clarkson, who was only okay as a spot-up shooter last year. He hit less than 35% of his standalone threes. And then D'Angelo Russell. I want to see him on the ball a bunch. But if you're going to be like Ginobili and Curry, you need to be able to stroke spot-up threes, make cuts to the basket, backdoor, everything like that. So those are the three players that if this thing is going to work, they're going to have to coexist by not even playing on the ball. And that'll be a big adjustment for all three of them. But if this offense is to be even average next year, that's what has to happen.
2: I agree. I think all those guys need to sacrifice. And I, you have to throw Lou Williams into that mix, too. He's got he's to figure out both ends of that, too. And then to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about Kobe, I, I like him off the ball too. I don't know if Byron Scott can convince him to do that, but I think one um, pathway back to efficiency for him this season could be fully embracing uh, being a, an offensive post player. Um, I, I think he's, his footwork isn't going to betray him. His athleticism might, but he's smart. He's got great feet, and I think he can still be efficient down there.
0: He could be sort of a i'm reluctant to say this, but uh I don't even want to say this I'm going to say it but be like Clay Thompson in terms of post up or hover behind the three point line and hit catch and shoot threes Clay Thompson does more now how about Aaron a-
1: follow let's go with
0: that Aaron do yeah, i don't now. want i honestly like I don't really want Kobe hovering behind the three point line <laughs> if it's me, I, if but he, if he's not gonna have the ball in his hands, I honestly think that that would be the way to go. Again, we're talking about all these ball handlers need to figure out how to play off it, but I do think that he's the type of guy who, if he buys into it, can really become a solid catch-and-shoot three-point marksman.
1: See, for me, the thing about Kobe is that I'm not as concerned about his offense. You know, he's, as Andy said, he's smart enough, he's talented enough in the post that he's going to figure out how to make it work on that end. But defense, you know, he was atrocious last year. Yeah. He, can still be, he can still be okay in on-ball situations where he's motivated to shut a guy down, but you know so many possessions where he's just watching the ball and his man escapes from him or he doesn't provide the right type of help defense, and it's really problematic. I mean, last year, the Lakers' defensive rating when he was on the court was 115.5, and when he was off, it was 108.5, and part of that is having to spend a lot of time with, with young guys who aren't necessarily great on defense, but that's, that's an issue.
2: I'm going to, I agree with you defensively, but I want to hammer my point on Kobe real quick before we move on. Um, his catch and shoot three point percentage last year, he, he took 2.2 catch and shoot threes per game and shot 26%. Um, his three point percentage, I'm just picking a, since 2009 10, his overall three point percentage is 31.6.
0: I know know he's a bad three-point shooter, and I know he's not an established catch-and-shoot guy. I'm saying if he buys into it, I think it's something that he can become good at. I'm not saying that he is good at it now, so I just want, want to make that clear. And then to Adam's point defensively, I agree. I am also wondering, though, Byron Scott talked about playing him at power forward a little bit. There's a chance that could actually help him because even if you're guarding stretch fours you don't have a lot of them who move very quickly off the dribble. You know, If he defends Kevin Love, you know what? That might actually help him in terms of it won't take as much of a physical toll. The Lakers are screwed defensively anyway. They they have Roy Hibbert who could protect the rim sometimes, but you brought in a guy like Meta World Peace, who's probably your second best defender right now, and he can't even guard small forwards or shooting guards anymore. Can
1: I just cut in and say how excited I am that Meta World Peace is yeah. back in the NBA? How like we not mentioned It's Kim such yet. a better place with him in it.
0: From a, from a non-basketball standpoint, I'm stoked. I have no desire to see him play. Anymore. Oh, no.
1: I hope he sits <laughs> on the bench like all game and just has sideline his Oh, uh, Byron
2: Scott will play him. Oh, of course. <laughs> Believe you he's,
0: me. Dude, Russell Russell's going to be on the bench by game five. He's not going to play again, probably. Yeah,
2: their starting um, lineup's probably going to be Lou Williams, Kobe, Meta,
1: Bass, and Hibbert. I mean, over, <laughs> over under like 40 games before Meta World Peace just like loses it because he's so frustrated with losing and just decks someone on the court.
0: <laughs> well, that... That an interesting point. Well, he's the biggest getting-
1: friend now. He's peaceful, Adam. Oh, yeah. I forgot about
0: that. Sorry, Dan. He needs ahead. to make
1: that name change official. I want to see that on the back of the jersey.
0: I still think that when he gets competitive, he can still be pretty violent. Um, <laughs> but now that we're talking about world peace and what he will do, we are getting to the end, and we have some questions on Twitter about the Lakers. And this one is from Alec Nieman at LG Forkman, which is a great Twitter handle. Uh, if Meta makes the team... What is the weirdest thing he does all season? Oh, man. <laughs> I, think,
1: I think he's going to untie some shoelaces. Oh, okay. He's gonna steal I think he's going to steal that one from JR because he hasn't been warned. So he can get away with it once.
0: I think what he's going to wind up doing is like jumping on top of Kobe when Kobe <laughs> doesn't want it. I think, I honestly think that's what that's will happen.
1: It's like, I don't know if you guys follow baseball much, but when, you, when uh, Adrian Beltrade does something great, his teammates like touching his head because yeah, it makes him so I've upset. Yeah, It's going to be like one of those situations.
2: I'm going to say he wear he either wears the Panda shoes or he wears a Panda's friend jersey. Somehow figures out a way to get – they do the nickname nights with some of those teams. Ooh, maybe, that, maybe they'll get Panda's friend jerseys selling in well, later. they let them put
0: like a – can they be sponsored by Panda Express on an advertisement oh, on their jersey? wow.
1: That'd be awesome. <laughs> And then I know another question we had was from Dave Leonardis at Front Page Dave, and he asked over under forty games played for the Black Mamba.
0: I'm going to uh, take the over. Question. I'm going to take the over. I think that they're already talking about limiting his minutes, which is something they have never done. Not even last year, not when D'Antoni was there. They talked about not playing him on the tail end of back to backs, or maybe just picking which game he'll play. He's talked about doing that. I think the fact that it's out there. I think he'll get to over forty. That's my prediction.
2: I'm gonna say over too, just because I want it to happen. I'm, <laughs> it makes me sad that he has to sit out most of the last two seasons. I'd, I'd love to see him at least be on his feet as he these last either year or last few years in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say over as well, just because you know this could be Kobe's last season, and there's no way I'm gonna predict a big injury for him during that. Like we don't want to see that. No there's that another answer, good oh go ahead, go ahead dan
0: i was gonna say that answer was a great segue into one of the other questions That's, that we have i was just gonna ask the same one you can read it uh it's from someone who i believe wants the ravens to go zero 16 <laughs> their uh, handle is at real chewbacca the question is will the lakers extend kobe's contract if he decides to play another year if so 30 mil a year, I I think that second part is a troll job. No,
1: I I don't think that there's any chance of that happening because if he does stick around, it's going to be to chase a ring. I mean, we've already seen Phil Jackson talk about that in the last couple days about how he could see Kobe going elsewhere. I don't think there's any chance that they're going to let him come back and interfere with Russell's development.
0: You can't buy into what Phil Jackson said. He's (laughs) essentially pitching Kobe on the Knicks, I think is what's happening. Fine,
1: fine, but I, I mean, I think it's a legitimate point.
0: I don't know. I, I agree. The thing is is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a cop out. I know this is a cop out. I think if he wants to chase a ring, he'll leave unless the Lakers sign a guy like Kevin Durant or you know Al Horford. Just don't get mad at him. Sorry. If they sign a star or two, because they're going to be, I think, the only team that can carve out space for two max contracts next year. So if they're able to do that and maybe get another quality guy and Kobe's actually willing to play at the minimum – I think he'll go back if he thinks he has a chance to win. But again, if they stand pat and they're full into this rebuild, yes, I think he'll leave if he plays.
2: If I had to say one or the other to mediate, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'd guess i probably say he'll leave if he plays another year. Um, and I believe
1: we actually just had another question come in to Hardwood Knox, if someone wants to read it. <laughs> this one's from at
0: some jerk-off <laughs> named Adam Frommel, at froml L 9 If Kobe chases a ring next season, where would be the weirdest situation for him to do so? We already have an answer. Someone said Grizzlies. <laughs> I say Sixers, because they're not going to be chasing a ring, so that'd be pretty weird. I think it'd be
1: really strange to see him with the Clippers. Oh, wow. They, no.
0: There's no <laughs> way. Him, Paul Pierce, Chris Paul. Exactly.
1: Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be hilarious.
2: I think the you know Knicks what? are pretty weird, even though Phil Jackson started it, because they're not well, going to be chasing a ring next year either.
0: If we're talking like legitimate, uh, like contenders, here would be a funny one: KD signs in Washington, Kobe goes over there with him. There was talk from Stephen A. Smith, granted, about Kobe and KD joining forces with the Knicks. What if Kobe just follows KD somewhere, <laughs> like you know, like or I would love, like maybe he'll go to it's New Orleans be his too. Butler or what? <laughs> We also had
1: another great answer come in on Twitter from Phil Watson at further review, who just says Greece. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah,
0: what's, Steph- what, what's Stephen Stefan Marbury's uh, team in China's name?
1: Uh, is it the like the Southern Tigers?
0: Uh, I was no, just I being know. facetious. Um, we do have I was one trying more to question. give a legitimate
1: answer. Oh he's on the Beijing ducks now. That's awesome.
2: You guys wanna hit this yeah, last question? One? Absolutely. this was actually the first person to respond, I think. Um, Where do you see Russell and Clarkson by the end of the season? And how many points do you think Kobe will average? I will grant him two questions because I think those are fairly related.
1: Uh, With Kobe, I I think he's going to be right around 20. It's not in his nature to take that much of a backseat role. So 20 in fairly inefficient fashion. As for Clarkson and Russell... Uh, I'm a little more concerned about Clarkson just because I think that he was not entirely the product of opportunity, but that was one of the reasons for his success. On the other hand, he outplayed Russell Westbrook down the stretch in a game, and that's a good sign. So I don't think we're looking at either of them as as like all-star contributors for a long time. I think Russell can get there. I don't think Clarkson can, but it's just going to be a season filled with ups and downs
0: for both of them. Um, I'm not even going to I don't want to add much because everything Adam just said, I personally don't think Clarkson is even going to finish the season in a Lakers uniform. Hmm. They have too many ball handlers. He's one of their few trade ships. Um, I think you'll see him somewhere else, and I think somewhere else will probably be a better situation because if he can be the primary ball carrier, maybe he turns into that you know mid-level starting point guard or maybe just a really good backup. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that because <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Um...
2: My my initial thought was I don't really know I don't really have any reason to think this but I'm going to put some faith in Byron Scott and just hope that he starts by the end of the season the
0: young backcourt is still the starting backcourt. Um I don't think that should even be a question. Like if you're benching either one of them that someone's well, getting fired. Well I, mean, I think that a, is Kobe's a question a three with this Scott, year, right? Though. Yeah, he's a Adam, he's a four.
2: <laughs> well yeah, that's well, the, I think with Scott there is the question though. Like that's why I had to provide that caveat first. But anyway.
0: Oh, d- definitely. You have to wonder, what what interest does he have at heart? Is part of him really trying to win now because he wants to stay a part of this as long as possible? Definitely. Because, again, I doubt they've tabbed him as the guy who's going to usher them into the post-Kobe era. So maybe he's like, I'm going to win with a cruddy team just to exceed expectations. And then... I just want to, we're, we're getting short on
2: time, but I just want to make like one more point about Scott. It's a lot like um, Tyrone and Corbin with the Jazz a few years ago. They had these young players and he kept playing the veterans because he wanted to win. He wanted to get another job after he was gone in Utah. And I can see a very similar thing uh,
1: happening with, with Scott. So if anyone is still listening since we've gone so long, it is time for our record projections here. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with Andy here.
2: Well, I was the one who was trying to be optimistic this whole time, which might seem kind of funny when I give my record projection. I don't, I don't think it would be that surprising if they finished dead last in the West this season. And I, I think they're going to finish around 25 wins, maybe less.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go 25 or less as well. I think they, on paper, they're a little bit better than last season. And if Kobe stays healthy, if Russell and Clarkson play well, if Hibbert helps them become better than a bottom-five defense, they could scrap together 25 wins. But I don't see them winning any more than that.
1: I guess I'm going to play contrarian here and say that they'll win around 28 just because I do like some of their veteran pieces.
0: Are you and high?
1: No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit bold here. I mean, that's, that's probably the ceiling here. And I don't think they will finish last
0: in the West. Can we just have a moment of silence for 28 wins being considered a bold prediction? (laughs) Um, But while we are short on time, we are not short on... Bacon! Bacon!
1: Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing
0: smells like bacon! That's bacon! That's right. It is time for What Burns My Bacon. And today's sizzling piece of pig fat is being handed to Mr. Andrew Bailey. That's right, Dan. We are not
2: short on bacon. I assume a great many NBA fans are not short on bacon right now because it's NBA rank season. Every <laughs> summer, ESPN releases their list of I think sometimes they do 500, sometimes they do 400 uh ranking from 1 through 400 all the players in the NBA and it's so some of the players are so wildly <laughs> misranked every year and I think it's I mean, it's impossible to get it right. Rankings are almost always, you know, by definition subjective, unless you're talking about Adams NBA 200, which is all numbers based. Nice plug there. Um, but every day when they release a new batch of these players, there's three or four guys. I'm like, what in the world? How did he end up ahead of him? How did he end up ahead of him? It's, it just drives me crazy. I don't know why it does. Um, but just so many of them are just flat out wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always had some issues with, with the NBA rank stuff that they do. And for me, the biggest reasons are just the methodology. Because they ask a bunch of people, some of whom definitely don't follow every team in the league, yep. to rank everybody on a 1 to 10 scale. And that's not enough space to differentiate. They so actually like,
2: switched it this year, though.
1: Did they? I, I mean, I haven't even clicked on a single one of them. So Now I'm not what they either. do,
2: and I, I don't know if this makes more sense, um, now what they do is they present them... With a bunch of different one-on-one matchups. So they'll say, um, you have this guy and this guy, who do you prefer? And somehow they formulate that into a score.
1: That's strange.
2: And they're, they're Yeah, I don't really get how they end up with the number score. Um, but they give Bizarre. all these different riders just a ton of different matchups that they have to go through. So the problem with that is somebody is subjectively picking these matchups, I think. And then the other thing is sure. what, what Adam already said... There's clearly guys ranking players they don't watch.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. There's... And
2: go ahead. I think Adam. the
0: best way to do something like that, okay. and Adam, you know our own Mr. Frommel over here, he does the NBA 200 a Bleacher Report, and he does it on his own. And it's a little bit more objective, and I like it. I think the best way to do something like that, though, is you get a few of the national guys who are actually following every team as much as possible – And you get in a room or you get on video and you just hammer out rankings. You rate each part of their game like Adam does. He gives scores. You do that, but you do it as a group because I don't think it should fall on one person. Again, Adam's version is great, but the way ESPN does it is just wholly subjective. Like it's just – it's a mess. I don't click on it anymore because I I don't think they have the right format to do it. I
1: think it's worth noting that you know we interact with a lot of the people that are – part of these rankings and they know their stuff and it's it's the entirety of the project that's the problem not the individuals it's the project. i just want to clarify that because i don't want us to like come across as attacking anyone because they don't deserve it yeah i agree with that
2: and there is some value that with all of those minds coming together and giving an aggregate a lot of it does come out right um and and so i think i i should acknowledge that too but Every year, like I said, there's there's several guys that I just think, how did he end up there? And you know, it's it's ESPN, so it generates generates a lot of conversation.
0: A lot of burnt bacon.
2: That's right. Well, on that note, we are out of time. This was well
1: past time. (laughs) We
0: were out of time ten minutes ago. (laughs) We should
2: have. I mean, we we should have expected this with the Lakers, of course. Even when they're bad, they're fun to talk about. Um, If you want to continue to talk about the Lakers with us, you can follow Adam on Twitter at Frommel09, 9 Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey, and the three of us are all at Hardwood Knox. Uh, We're going to continue to to ask you guys for questions when we do these season previews, so feel free to, to interact with us that way, too. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes and give us a rating there and thanks so much for listening and uh, thanks so much to Bino Udry shout out to him once again the
1: iPhone XR
2: is here at T-Mobile and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share
0: Nice.
2: and how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone 10R is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right, get both unlimited and iPhone 10R included for just forty bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else, but for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone 10R. Join today and get iPhone 10R included with your unlimited plan for just forty bucks a line for four new lines. Call one eight hundred T-Mobile or visit a store today. $30 for Essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with AutoPay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus 2084 per month for 36
1: months. Full price 749 0% APR